Please be seated. I do have to say that it wasn't kind of a, a visual picture. Well, it said a grace being outpoured that I poured water down my front. But anyway, if it helps you. so. But it was just that. Those of you who don't know, it's ages since I've preached here, isn't it? Because we've actually been on sabbatical. And um, that means that we get three months study leave. And we've been doing all sorts of things. Let's have a picture of me studying, Andy. Let's have a picture of me studying. Because um, we were studying on the beach on this occasion. This is actually not in Africa, because Africa was not warm. Those of you who came last night will have heard me whinging about the fact that it was very cold. But actually, this is a mull, beautiful mull. Don't worry, I'm not going to show you all my slides again. But this is a mull where it was very warm, and I was reading a book. I don't often do that. Well, I do do that, but I often read sections of books because I don't actually have that much time to read whole books. So it's really nice to actually be able to read books. And one book that I actually read, and in fact I haven't finished because this is one of my last books on the thing, is called Culture of Honour. And um, actually, I'm going to do a two-parter here. I'm going to start looking at this whole theme when we think about the culture of honour being important to grow the body. I'm kind of introducing it this morning because... There are children in the house. Now, I'm not saying that actually, you know, we shouldn't speak things about this in front of children, but it could get a little bit kind of heavy. So, I'm just going to introduce this morning the idea about the body and how it's important for us to love, honour and respect each other, to create that culture of honour. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about the importance of mutual care, love and respect. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. But all its parts should have equal concern for one another. We need to honour one another. We need to respect one another. We need to, in short, create what Danny Silk was going on about, a culture of honour. Let's go back, not to the very beginning, let's go back to Deuteronomy. I can't even say it, it's been so long. Let's go back to Deuteronomy, where God actually started off, well, perhaps telling people, he'd known it from the very beginning, about what they were meant to do and how this culture of honour, not only honouring one another, but also honouring God, actually needed to happen. Let's have, Derek, the Ten Commandments. You know, I'd summed them up earlier, hadn't I, when it talked about loving God and loving your neighbour and honouring your mum and dad. Good to see you at the back there, James and Evan. Anyway, Derek, let's have this reading of the Ten Commandments from Deuteronomy. Chapter 5, verses 1 to 22. Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, Israel, the decrees and the laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At that time I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. 
You should not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You should not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honour your father and mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long, and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving to you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. These are the commandments the Lord proclaimed in a loud voice to your whole assembly there on the mountain from out of the fire, the cloud, and the deep darkness. And he added nothing more. Then he wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. Ten commandments, but later on in Mark, as I said earlier on, they were kind of concertinaed down into two. Not that they got rid of the ten, but those ten were kind of packed into those two commandments about loving God and loving your neighbour. And and having that kind of culture of honour, honour and respect and love for one another. Now, honour or respect or love kind of work both ways. You know, if you respect or if you honour somebody... If you bless them and if they forgive them, if you forgive them, you also, it says, should be blessed and forgive. It says in Ephesians 6 as well, further to this, honour your father and mother so that all may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. It's reminded there, isn't it, about, you know, perhaps living long and prospering. It's not just, you know, do it just for them, but also it's going to have a good effect on your life. And it also carries on in Ephesians 6, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So it kind of cuts both ways, okay? That we're meant to, as children, honour our parents, but then parents are not meant to exasperate their children. It's quite difficult, isn't it, really? If you actually have both sides of that equation, especially being a parent. Anyway, I just want to focus in this talk on Romans 12 when it talks about, in that passage, the best conditions that you can actually have as a church to be able to grow in this culture of honour. In Romans 12, it talks about all the gifts that the church can have. And it says in this passage about how we're meant to create the right environment. We're meant to kind of love each other. We're meant to respect each other so that things can go well in the church. Things can go well in the body. That we can receive the gifts that God has for us. So what do we need to do, Maggie? 
can you tell us? In Romans 12, verse 1 to 9, it talks about the conditions that we have to create this culture of honour that right back in Deuteronomy, God asked us, and in Ephesians, that it's reminded that we needed to have. This reading is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 9. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given each to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. So I'm not going to do all of that reading this morning. I'm going to look perhaps at the, uh, the end of that reading um, in our next service that I'm leading in, at the end of September. But I just want to focus on the conditions that we need actually as a church to be healthy, as a healthy body. And the first condition is in the next picture, hopefully, which focuses on verse 1. It says in verse 1 that we need actually to offer ourselves, offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And what that's saying is that to actually be part of the healthy body, part of God's church, we actually need to offer ourselves to be attached to the head, which is Jesus. We need to be offering ourselves to be part, a sacrifice, to be part of that church that God has created. And I just don't know, I don't know where exactly everybody is here, but have you, have I, actually offered ourselves wholly to God to say, look, I want to be part of this body. I want you to direct me. I want to follow you. I want to feel it when the toe hurts and I'm just a finger. I want actually to be part of this body. And that needs to be the decision that you take, to be part of the body, to be at one with God and with other people in that fellowship. I think one of the problems, and it was reflecting this morning, along with the royal family. No, it's a little bit earlier this morning. One of the problems with many churches, and I pray that it's not true of ours, is that many churches seem to have a different head. It's not good to actually have a head transplant. It's not healthy, is it? And what I'm saying is that churches need to have Jesus as the head of them. But is that actually true of our church? 
is that actually true of many churches? And I think that's very often where many churches go wrong, when they have head transplants, when they don't actually have Jesus at the head. So in a way, I think many churches, and I'm saying nothing about who, and I'm not saying whether it's us, are like Frankenstein churches, do you know what I mean, when it's been chopped off, and they put something else at the head of their church. Let us not be like a Frankenstein church when somebody else other than Jesus is in control. We need to say, yes, I accept you, Jesus, as the head of my life. Yes, I accept you, Jesus, as the head of our church. And then we can begin to grow together because he's directing and he's leading us and he's noticing when we are in need and when we're needing to help others. So what I'm saying then, I guess, by saying that is that we need to follow Jesus' plan. We need to have him at the head And it talks in verse 2, I'm only on to verse 2, but don't worry, I'm not going the whole way through it. It talks in verse 2 about how we should no longer follow the patterns of the world. And that's why the children at the back have got patterns to colour in. Anyway, moving on. We should no longer follow the patterns of the world. We do not want to be a church that has a head transplant where the world directs us. And we do, we respond to the latest fashions in the world and change our gospel accordingly. We need to have Jesus as the head and we need to agree, yes, there are times when we actually need to go against the patterns of this world. We need to have Jesus shaping and moulding us, directing and guiding us. And if we have that then God can do that brilliant thing that he does, which is part of the next verse, that he can transform us by the renewing of our minds. He is a mind-transforming God. I'm not saying a brainwashing God. Oh, actually, that could perhaps be quite nice in the right context. I'm not saying that we want them to become moonies, but, but sometimes we do need our brainwashed a bit, don't we? We need to be cleansed, we need to be healed. But what I'm saying is that, that God can, in that sense, wash our brains by changing our attitudes, transform our minds, help us to see things in a different way. Sometimes, have you ever got to a bit of a dead end where you think, I really know no way out of this? We need God to transform our minds, to show us a different way, to show us the way that he has planned for us, even when we are in a real mess. God can be transforming every area of our lives, our our mind, our body, our soul and our spirit, so that we can actually not only be used to ourselves but also used to his church, that we can be transformed by his Holy Spirit to be an active finger, an active hand, an active toe, an active part of the body of church, of the God's um, church, the body. And if we actually have had our mind transformed by God, we can, as it says in the next part of the, the reading, test and approve what God's will is. His And it says that his plan, his pattern for our lives is that he has a good, a pleasing and a perfect will. Isn't it brilliant to think that God's got for us a good, a pleasing and a perfect will? It's not just perfect because perfect sometimes you might think, well, you know, maybe we not enjoy that. But actually it's good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. God has got a plan for us and by transforming our minds he can show us that plan and he can show us that direction. And don't we just want that mind-transforming way that God will offer us, not only to be individuals, but also to be one body in him? You see, some of us have actually got it all wrong. Some of us sometimes get it all wrong. Sometimes we see ourselves in a different way from the way that God sees us. Do you know some people who, who perhaps just 
clearly don't have a clue about the reality of their own lives. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, I'll just give you an example of X Factor. Did you see that guy? I don't know if you saw the X Factor last night. Did you see that guy? Sorry if you missed it because you came here. Um, that we taped. But anyway, it's the guy in the X Factor last night, he was saying, I could be as big as Cliff Richard. <laughs> Do you remember? It was not good. He clearly does not see things in the vocal department as God actually sees and the whole of the audience actually saw. But then there was also the other guy. Do you see the guy with the shaky mic? He was like this. And we all thought, he's got to be good, because otherwise they wouldn't show him, because it's far too humiliating, because he was really, really shaky and really, really nervous, and people had told him that he was a bit rubbish, and he would make a fool of himself if he appeared on the X Factor. He actually really sang very well. He clearly did not see things as people saw them. I'm not saying that we, in our lives, want to see things as people see them, but do we not need to have an accurate assessment of who we are? Let's have the next picture. Some people think they're better than they are. This little picture is a picture of a duck and it says, I'm better than you. I can fly and my body is a boat. Sometimes we have that, that big idea of who we are. They're also quite nice actually, aren't they, with plum sauce. But anyway, but just to say that sometimes we have an inflated idea of our own being and our own importance. And that's not good. We perhaps think that we are the head of the body. But then there are also other people, and sometimes we fluctuate between them. There are other people who have the opposite view, the shaky mic people, who think that they're not important. They're a bit of toenail that can drop off. In 1 Peter 2, 4, it says that we are all chosen by God and precious to him. We're not the head, but we are chosen by God and precious to him. How do you rate you? How does, does God rate you? Don't worry about people in the audience. Don't worry about people in the congregation. How does God rate you? Don't forget that you are chosen by God and precious to him. And he does have a plan that is good and that is pleasing and that is perfect. And he does want to transform you and to become the child that he's created you to be. But also, as we reflect on how do we rate ourselves, we need to reflect on how do we rate others. And that's something to do with the culture of honour. We need to honour God, we need to honour ourselves, but also we need to honour others. It says in Luke 6, 38, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Have you ever said condemning words or had condemning thoughts about other people or indeed about yourself? I know I have. It's not good, is it, really? But you can do it, can't you? You can kind of categorise people or be negative about people. Even within the church, it says, do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven, which is conversely the other way around. If you don't forgive, will you be forgiven? It says you won't be. Give and it will be given to you. I like this bit. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, like my water just now, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So as much as we are, as individuals, important as the body, other people are important in the body. The church is, as we've said over the re previous weeks, even when we've not been here, a body. And different ages and different characters in the body, I quite like that picture as well, 
have different things to offer. They have different gifts, but all of them are equally valuable. Our worth is not anything to do with what we can do or what we can achieve. All parts of the body, whatever age, whatever gifts they have or haven't got, where they've got no gifts, although I find that difficult to believe, are needed and are equal and crucial to the head, who is Jesus. And he's the one who knows. Next time, as I said, I will be looking at that kind of attitude and looking at the gifts that are needed in the church and looking at recognising the gifts that individuals have and how they fit and how they should fit together. And how those individuals can then, if they are honoured, blossom and grow and be fully functioning members of the body of church. As I said, it's not about doing, however, it's actually about being. So let's have this next picture. Last night I showed this picture, I don't know whether it's very clear with it being quite light here, picture of Angel, that she actually couldn't really do anything very much apart from smile and be absolutely lovely. And if everybody in the church could only just smile and be absolutely lovely, it would be a good, nice place, wouldn't it? The chairs wouldn't get put out, but then again, they wouldn't get put away either, would they really? So, but what I'm saying is that, that that actually is really more important than anything else. You could see in her face that God's Holy Spirit was within her and transforming and moulding her, not to do, but just to be, to be transformed into his image. It says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is spirit. How we need God's Holy Spirit in his church. I don't know about you but at times I do feel that my body needs to be transformed a little bit. You know sometimes bits kind of like don't really work as they should work. You need running repairs and they get a bit cranky. And sometimes it's to do with the fact that perhaps I should really get more exercise and not perhaps eat. I found I'm not allergic to chocolate, not good. I don't actually shouldn't eat certain things and I should do more of other things. And, but what I want to know is, is, does that relate to the church? The church sometimes can be a bit cranky and it can exercise perhaps that it shouldn't exercise and it can perhaps eat some of the stuff that it shouldn't eat spiritually speaking and perhaps other ways as well how do we actually help our church to become that kind of athletic Olympian machine ready to take on the world and to gain gold for God it's actually down to us and the Holy Spirit Romans 12.10 which is the final verse for this morning says be devoted to one another in love Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Basically, I guess it's saying this. Love and respect. Honouring God and honouring your neighbour. So through him... His body may grow and develop and bring glory to him. Thanks be to God for his word. Let us just be quiet for a moment as we reflect on what God may be saying to us. We thank you, Lord, that we can be part of your body. And we pray that if we haven't chosen 
to follow you, the head, that we will make that commitment now to accept you as the head of our body and the head of the church. We pray, Lord, that in no way would our church ever have a a head transplant and try and follow other things and other people in other ways. We pray that it will not conform to the patterns of the world. We pray that we will always seek you and have your guidance and your direction. But we commit, Lord, now to you transforming our minds, to helping to make us more in the image of God. Help us, Lord, to have an accurate view that we are your precious children, chosen by you and precious to you. Help us to know security in your love, our loving and living Lord. Amen.